Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Oh, oh man. Here we go. Game on. And it is late. It, it is late. And for all the right reasons, it's late because I'm selfish and I get to play golf for the first time in two months. Now, granted, I'm going to probably go play golf really early tomorrow morning. That's why we're recording this podcast so late, but I'm going to be gassed. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be sweaty. I'm going to be smelly. And then I'm going to go call a baseball game. So it's going to be great. But we are here at the bleachers. These are the late night bleachers that are wide open right now. And I couldn't be more happy about it. I'm very grateful, actually, that Tuttle and our producer, Mark, accommodated the situation. The last couple of podcasts have been going really, really well, Tuttle. And what you did last podcast was absolutely incredible. I've actually listened to it twice, to be honest with you, brutally honest. It is, uh, you know, a couple of my podcasts ran out and uh, Bleacher Blums actually popped up again on my, on my, on repeat on my uh, iTunes account. And I couldn't be more happy to listen to us talk again. So it's great to have you back on, dude. It is a late night. I've had a couple of pops, full disclosure, called an Astro game, day game. But how has your day been, Tuttle? And how have you been? Awesome, Blummer. So uh, you could see it's not as late in Cali, so I got a little time on you. Oh, you're you're drinking water already. <laughs> That's not a good sign. I've got the uh, bleacher. You've got the brewski. Mug. So I went a little bit harder. Oh, and if if, if you actually watch this, we're we're going to bring Mark in here in a little bit and talk about our YouTube channel. But I this is this is called the usual, mm. and it's vodka and water. Usually I have a twist of lime or lemon in here, but I just went mm. straight vodka and water. Game on. Wow, I was going to say I, I would hope it's soda, like sparkling water. No, you just. Is this just vodka water? Just give me the tap. Just just oh. tap me up. All right. Nice. I love Houston's it. Houston's finest. All right. I'm doing well, Blummer. I appreciate you asking. I agree. I actually listened to the last podcast one and a half times. I didn't make it through twice, but uh, <laughs> uh, producer Mark and I were talking about this prior. Um, the sound is good. I mean, we, we've now got real professional microphones. We're taking it seriously. We have somebody who edits and makes us sound better than we really are. I mean, all of those things are working in our favor. You folks out there are downloading, reviewing, rating us. Um, we're actually getting the Blue Wire Podcast Network to <laughs> put us in part of their baseball podcast advertising. I'm going to throw we them under it. the bus. That's good. Like, I mean, we're... We're really, what's the, what was the, was it good times moving on up? Like, I feel like we're moving, moving on up. On up. Well, we're moving on up. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing great. I, I will say, I was going to save this for later and I can get deeper into the story. I mentioned the DMV last podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, watching my son drive to school by himself for the first time. So Ooh. he's had the instructor, he's had us, he's had the permits, he got his test. Watching him go like to high school, like pull out of the driveway. Are you like drive peering away. out of the front window going? Oh, I was like standing in the driveway and then walking down to the end of the road. <laughs> no like, pressure. Like, yeah, well, he waved, he was fine. I mean, he didn't have pressure, he didn't care. I was just us. I mean, the and you had three daughters do it at the same time and obviously an older daughter who had done that previously, so maybe that prepared you. But uh, it was... I mean, the only equivalent I can think of, and this I don't know if this is how we want to start the podcast. I know it's a free free speak forum. 
it was like it was like bringing him home from the hospital. It was like welcoming into the world. Like we're <laughs> we're getting old and we're working this it's those thing. Steps, but, yeah, yeah. It was like there he goes. And anyway, so that that was my experience this week. Um, I'm thankful that um, you know they made it through their first week of school, especially him driving himself back and forth. But yeah, I mean, I'm here late night. I got my bleacher blumps mug. Is it? Yeah. No, that's a big step. No, we, it, and I, I know I've told this story before, but we have a window that actually looks down the driveway. So I, I didn't want to be the dad that was like watching them like as they pulled out of the garage and every move they made. But I have definitely oh, yeah. been the guy, you know, peeking through the shutters as they pull out of the driveway going, oh, dear God, don't get T-bone, don't get T-bone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's all my thought. I'm like, yeah. just get there safe. It's so nice. And maybe that's what's another great thing about this forum. When we used to talk in the parking lot, you know, our, our, our talks in the parking lot, I, uh, you know, these steps, you know, you're not alone, I guess, sharing those steps. And I think for a man, I, I said this to my wife too this week, for a man, it's like once we decide to let them drive to school, right? And we got the insurance, he got his license. It's kind of, it's a foregone conclusion. I mean, we can say, oh, no, 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 we'll drive you for the first week or no, you're not going to drive yourself to school. Mm -hmm. But once we decide, then I'm okay from a compartmentalization or practical standpoint, but it's just nice to hear you had some of the same feelings. It's like, I just want him to make it two miles to school and back the first day. It's like, man, make it two miles. Be yeah, safe. it's monumental. They come through the door and it's a big old yeah. bear hug. You did yeah. so good. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the oh, first dude. step of many. But how about just getting back to school? I mean, summer is great. And now that the kids are driving, and you'll find this out too, when they start driving in the summer, then they can kind of go, hey, dad, I'm going to go over to my buddy's house. Hey, dad, I'm going to go do this. And you're like, oh, go for it. You know, you don't have to necessarily like work your schedule around driving them and dropping them off. But then you have the anxiety of the late nights. You know, are they going to get home safe? You and I both know the freaks that drive in, at the middle of the night. It's not so much your kid as it is like all the nine other idiots that are on the road around them but nozzles, uh, as you like to say nozzles they're complete nozzles uh man yeah after after nine you know the freaks come out the nozzles make appearances but uh with them getting back to school and i mean kayla's room is right <laughs> behind this wall right here yeah. but man i don't know if they listen to this podcast or their friends or whatever but dude getting back to school freak yeah bro i get yeah. my routine back yeah no, I think uh, there's definitely the, like, if we had a trampoline in the house, it's like, woo. I mean, you're jumping up and down. It's so, I, I and I will, it's, this is a great place to start the podcast in general, but the COVID effect. So, working from home more than I typically would, like, normally, you know, you're either out, you know, I cover a territory instead of like having to go into an office, but I'm usually out of the house. But COVID kept us in the house. Uh, my wife's in the house more than she would be. You're not just venturing out. Now, I know things have loosened up a little quicker in Texas, but. You know, just the combination of the kids last year, specifically being in school every other day and not every day, and then being at home to work, it feels like, I mean, it feels like the old, like, school's out for the summer. Like, for us as yeah. parents, it's like, School's yes, they're in. And, back in session. Yeah, I mean, it is like, wow, this is amazing. And I sat the other morning with my coffee, and I took the girls to school after Tyler drove off. And I dropped him off, and I was back home at 7.55, and there was no one here. How good is that cup of coffee in silence? Oh, man. It was oh. awesome. And I'm like, yes. So <laughs> I second what you said, and I can imagine you know, having four girls getting ready for school, driving or not, like coming home at different times. Yeah, we're going to our friend's house. Like The schedule is like, all right, you're all in school from 8 o'clock to 4 o'clock or whatever, whenever volleyball practice ends. Like I can live with that, and I'm, I'm, I'm – 
cheers. I'm, all I can say is cheers, right? Cheers that. Yeah, we can we can cheers that. We can drink it. They'll be getting up at dawn tomorrow. I'll be sleeping off this vodka, whatever I'm drinking. But yeah, it, it it's good to get that routine back, and it's it's nice because I I love the nap, so Ooh. I can wake up with them. Say hello, wish them a great day at school. I can get my little my little Peloton ride in. I can walk the dog, get my cup of coffee, and then it's fill out my you know do all my prep and fill out my scorecard, and then poof, about noon, daddy's gone. I can take my nap, nap in peace. Go up in the theater, ice it out. Oh, it's so good. Nappuccino. Believe it. That is the <laughs> Nappuccino is the way to go. Uh, so Bleacher Blums is, uh, is is a fun podcast for us to, to do. David Tuttle and I, he, he played in the minor leagues for a long time. He is Captain All-American, uh, Father of the Year, Team USA, everything that he's got going for him. And if you want to get to us, now the interesting thing about Bleacher Blums is that we get to choose our own topics. That's part of the fun of being who we are and having our own podcast is that we get to pick our own topics. So what we move forward with in this, uh, in this podcast is going to be of our choosing, but... We are fan-friendly, so we want to make sure that you subscribe, rate, review, find us on all of your podcast networks that you can. Click that subscribe button, share it with your friends, tell them how much fun you're having listening to Tuttle and I uh, give give our daily banter or weekly banter, I should say. Uh, and, and But if you want to have some input, we always listen to our fans. As you've if you've heard in the past, uh, we've had mailbags, we've had Twitter questions. Our producer, Mark, does a phenomenal job of uh, deciphering all of the good questions to have on here. So if you want to get to Tuttle, you go to Twitter and you go at Real David Tuttle, or you can get to me at Blummer27 on Twitter, or we actually have a Bleacher Blums social media channel that you can go check out at Bleacher Blums on both Twitter and Instagram. Highly entertaining. And uh, it, make sure you rate and review because that is how the more subscribers, the more listens we get, the more downloads we get, the more content we can bring, and the more credibility believe it or not, we actually get so we can get some good guests on here. We had Evan Gaddis a while back. I'm pretty sure that we're going to get Jeff Bagwell here in the near future. Uh, but we will uh, continue to reach out and maybe have an interview once a month. So make sure you're doing that. You can also go to bleacherblums.com and check us out on there. We have a mailbag uh, icon on there that you can click on. Give us your uh, your ideas. Uh, you can uh, rag on us a little bit if, you, if it's appropriate and done kindly. Uh, Tuttle, you may have some input on this, I think. No, I was just going to say, Blummer, you bl- glossed over your resume, so I'm Mr. All-American to you. Uh, I played nine years in the minor leagues. I always forget, you played 14 years in the major leagues. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. I mean, if the- you if you want to get technical, I was a month short of 14 years. Okay. So that would be 13 years in five months or 13 years in 11 months? What do they do when it counts like that? Oh, man. What is it? It would be, it would be 13 years service, and 150 right? days. Yeah, 13 right. years they and 150 do. days, roughly. That's right. All yeah. right. Well, there you go. So now the fans know that. I appreciate it. Don't gloss over your resume. And then father of multiples and a good friend of mine. Yeah. So there you go. All right. We had to lay that out there. I'm so sorry. We got big news, though. I know I know our producer, Mark's on here. If he could pop on real quick and explain it because I'm an, I'm, I'm technologically inept sometimes it's a good word we have a youtube channel yes yes youtube yes <laughs> so when y'all transferred over to blue wire it was hey you know we're going to take a little break from youtube and just focus on the audio version now that we've got kind of gotten that together sounded great i asked about doing you know just a couple of little short clip of the podcast that we can post online that 
you know, we're already using them on social media. So our big push right now, you know, my big push is pushing people to YouTube, asking them to subscribe and, you know, make sure they hit the bell so they can get notifications. And the more subscribers we have, the more views that we get, just like you were saying, the more things that we can do and the more credibility can invite other people in to have a guest on. That's kind of the big thing, you know, is, is the social media aspect, but we're trying to focus on YouTube and getting those subscribers in and letting them enjoy y'all's beautiful faces while they listen to these little little segments uh, <laughs> here and there that we're calling short hops. And nice. one short thing you've got to know about Mark is that he is he's multi-talented and well-versed in all of the technologies, but at the same time, the T-shirt I'm wearing, the T-shirt that Tuttle has on, and... Sneak peek. Oh, nice. We've got a new logo. And I think Mark has worked wonders. This is one of the hats that we're going to have potentially coming out here pretty soon. So Mark also does the swag. He does the t-shirts. He does the polos. He does everything. And he is the he is the utmost creative mind behind everything that has to do with Bleacher Blum. So Mark, we greatly appreciate everything you've done to make us sound better, look better. Appreciate it. And obviously with what is potentially coming out soon with the swag. So we greatly appreciate you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. And one, one quick thing, I wanted to say that that hat, that particular hat, Tuttle, you're getting yours uh, here shortly, but yep. I wanted to do like some, uh, maybe a limited run of this specific hat, this you know specific design. We have about five and one of our great sponsors, JustGeekItSolutions.com, who uh, creates the, the, the website yeah. and, and maintains the website. He's been going to a bunch of the road games and he wears, you know, Ram shirts and, you know, Bleacher Blum shirts. And he inevitably he he gets one of the Astros players to see him and they throw him a ball. So he has like nine game used balls. Oh, dang. So he said, hey, let's let's use one of the balls. Let's, let's see if, you know, the guys can sign it. So what we're going to try to do is if we can get 100 subscribers maybe before September 1st or we'll figure something out, we'll post it online, but we'll throw in a... Uh, game used autograph ball Ooh. plus one of these limited edition hats that i have five of them the guys are going to have two of them so there's going to be three to be uh, dispersed to some of our new subscribers look at that guy work right the there. brains <laughs> yes the, the brains, brains. i don't think i don't think we needed to announce who the brains of the operation were but <laughs> yeah if we, we we pulled back the we, curtain and we saw the we saw the ring leader but if we do need to announce it then there it is yeah that's genius and you know and and we we should give a shout out to jake at just geek it because he does uh fly as a hobby so he does make his way around the globe and he's just a fantastic that, guy. that dude has been to more road games than i have in the last two years Yep. Yep. I mean, sure. he's sending me texts of pictures. It's gorgeous. He's having a blast. So good for him. And one one last thing, since I'm the one on brand. Oh yeah. Gosh, and oh. you've got the Saint Arnold. Saint Arnold. I, w I went hard. You went smart. <laughs> so, so yeah, Saint Arnold. What's on tap? You got to stay tuned because Mark Ramos is not only the brains; he's the brilliance behind this whole thing, and he keeps us on track. And uh, you know, what's on tap? Brought to you by Saint Arnold. I'm going to ask Tuttle. We keep hearing about the dog days of summer. What in the world are the dog days of summer? I'm going to get some input from Tuttle on that. I have my own ideas of it. Maybe some way to relate it to everybody back home. And then uh, the Mets owner popped off which is kind of interesting to me. I'm kind of curious to hear what Tuttle has to say about that. Uh, we got a Lance Lynn ejection, and it was because of substance checking, but not because of substances, maybe because of the substance of Lance Lynn, if that makes any sense. And then uh, I've got a Blum's Blast. I'm sure Tuttle's got some, but it's something that he's going to air us out about. But uh, make sure you stay tuned for that. But for right now, listen to a word from our sponsor. 
The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And we are back. And man, what an electric start. Totally, you hanging in there, dude? How are you doing on your brew? You good? What are you drinking, by the way? I know you're not drinking Saint Arnold because I haven't paid up yet. I was just gonna say I was gonna I was gonna mention the Saint Arnold piece. I actually have something from Brewery X, which is in Anaheim, and uh, the reason I got it is because it looked like a can of tennis balls. I happen to be a mosaic, <laughs> like most people. India Pale Ale. I know the Tuttle likes balls. Uh, comments are coming, but uh, you know, I just thought it was funny. It looked like it, it like it looked like an old uh, can of tennis balls, and it's pretty dang good. So I haven't even heard of Brewery X. Yeah, there's a lot of those breweries popping up. I know all over the place. So it's even better to be able to discover some of those. And credit to marketing, having the can look like a uh, you know old school what a pen tennis balls yeah. or whatever they used to be. No, that's exactly right. That we used to go out there and play uh, out in the front yard with. Right? Is that what you used to do? I used to take tennis balls and wiffle balls. So we used to actually play a version. Yeah, we played wiffle ball too in the summer. And it's funny when people go, gosh, how'd you get into pro baseball? It's like, I guess we spent all summer playing wiffle ball. And we also played a a game called tennis baseball. We had this huge field. And so we would play Mm -hmm. fast pitch tennis baseball with a tennis racket as the bat. And we would have outfielders all over and the guy, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah, the guy could throw the balls hard. But, you know, obviously hitting it with a tennis racket was, I mean, you could launch that thing. So we played a... We played a lot of summers of tennis baseball. That's outstanding. Yeah, we would play over the line. We played baseball out in front. It was always some version of baseball, no matter if we had two guys going at it or if we had the entire neighborhood getting after it. But during the summer when you're a kid playing baseball or playing that sandlot type game in your front yard or in that open lot, it was a blast. You didn't get exhausted. You didn't get fatigued. You just continued to play because you love the game and you envisioned yourself as being that professional athlete, as you envisioned yourself as getting drafted, playing for the hometown team. And you wanted to be, you know, that that local player. You emulated the swing, or you emulated the delivery. Uh, you made plays like they did, and you would even announce again. I know that uh, when we played, we actually would announce the play as it was happening. Oh, Blum, you know, Blum moves to his right, makes a backhand, throws across the diamond, you know, to his brother Greg and stuff like that. So. A lot of these things in the summer, as far as kids are concerned, it was never the dog days. But we are here in the middle of August, and we're watching the Astros go through a tough stretch. I know that there's some injuries with the San Francisco Giants who continue to play good baseball. But one thing that we continue to hear, and even to the point where teams will promote, just like the Astros will, I believe it's August 22nd at uh, at Minute Maid Park, they will actually have Dog Day, where you can bring your dogs to the ballpark, which I think is a brilliant idea. 
Tuttle and I are both dog owners. We love our animals. But uh, the dog days of summer is a comment that continually comes up. And I'm not sure if there's ever been an appropriate explanation of the dog days of summer or what that actually means. Everybody just assumes I'm just tired. So I want to know, Tuttle, you having played nine minor league seasons, uh, having played college baseball, summer leagues, all of the, you know, we've played extended amounts of baseball where we've had thousands of innings, thousands of pitches, thousands of at-bats. In your mind, what do the dog days of summer mean to you? Do you have an explanation for it? Plumber, that's a great question. I love that you brought this topic to the table. I actually think right away that we're going to be aligned on this, but I don't know. So we didn't really talk about this. Um, I feel like I'm on Jeopardy. What are the dog days of summer? When, yeah, as you mentioned, when we used to, there you go. When we used to play, we would never get tired. I mean, like my mom would have to like, you mm-hmm. know, come find us at seven o'clock. Like the, the sun street lights. we're still playing. Yeah, I mean, and and most people listening to this have the same experience. But when you start playing a sport and this started to tick up, like when I started playing college baseball, I think you had the chance to go to Cape or whatever. But yeah. I had an opportunity to go to the Cape League and then Alaska. I chose Alaska. Um, and then I went back to Alaska because I had so much fun. So basically you'd play all... All year long, fall ball, you know, and granted, you know, your college is being paid for, but you, this is kind of when it started. You were playing in high school. You and I had the area code games, but we didn't play all summer long. We could go on vacation. <laughs> you know, we had fun. We did wiffle ball. And then yeah. college was like, all right, you play 62 games plus the fall. Then your coach says, hey, we're going to send you to Alaska or Cape Cod. You play another, you know, pitch another 50 or 60 innings there enjoy your summer, then come back and start right into fall. I mean, this was when you started going, all right, this is, you got to be ready to do this. And you start, you know, if you have aspirations of playing professionally, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. So I will answer this question, folks. I promise you. It gets to... Hey, we got time, bro. I I know, brother. There's no time clock. You know, we got a few sponsors and advertisers and listeners. We're good. Plenty Um, of drink left. There you go. It's the mental part of it. That's what makes the dog days of summer. And I think that's, I mean, yep, there I got the thumbs up. I knew I was on the right path. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's what, that's what, so we always talk about the attrition. Like, yeah, the Giants have some injured players. The Astros have Bregman. They showed them running the other day. It's like, all right, yeah, these guys are coming back. That's not really the dog days. I mean, we've talked about how the trade deadline, guys get healthy towards the end of the year for the playoff run. I mean, there's a lot of good things that can happen physically. But for me, the dog days is all mental, meaning, if you like college was a good example, you know, you finish your sophomore year, you're hoping to get drafted your junior year. You go to Alaska, pitch another 50 innings. You come back, um, you come back from Alaska and you'd get right into fall ball. And at Santa Clara, we played Stanford and Cal. And it was like, all right, you know, you, are you taking a rest when you That's play? That's a Stanford grind, Calorie? man. Yeah. Do you want to do something? And then your season starts now, you know, Christmas hits and now your season starts in February. And then you play, and then you get drafted, and then you go to instructional league, and then you're in spring training. I mean, like you can add all this together. But in the big leagues, as you said, 162 games, at game 100, 110, it's the mental toughness and preparedness that makes this the dog days of summer. And I don't know if the layperson can relate. And I just want to go back to one last little snippet that you kind of mentioned, which is this is all we want to do when we were kids. You know, we did the last second shot, three, two, one, I'm going to make it, or Blummer's in the hole, he makes a diving play, and, you know, Greg picks it out of the dirt. <laughs> it's like my brother and I would do that. We'd play wiffle ball over the line, all that stuff. 
But man, when it's when you're doing it for a living and people are questioning like your work ethic or why you're in a slump or how come you went over four, it it just piles up. You need to have an outlet. And I think it's right before the playoffs are on the horizon. You're not sure you're going to make the playoffs, but you've played 110, 115 games and you are worn out. <laughs> Blummer, do you agree with me? Yes. And, and it and it's and it cuts both ways too, because I love that Tuttle brought up the fact that, you know, we are we're talking about the Giants, we're talking about some of these successful college teams that we've been on where you're actually playing for something. So the dog days are kind of that that purgatory section of the season where you're just kind of in limbo, just kind of like, okay, we made it this far, I'm gassed. What am I looking forward to? I played on teams like the Montreal Expos where when we got to the dog days of summer, guess what I was doing? I'm calling a travel agent. I'm like, hey, what's the best place to go to in October and November? Because my wife and I, we want to go on vacation. You know, the kid, where can I take my kid? What's a kid-friendly resort in Hawaii or Mexico? Because I'm not playing for anything. All I'm doing is playing for a contract the next year. You know, that's what a lot of guys are doing is trying to pad their stats. But if you're a team that's actually in contention, then you kind of have something to go for. But still, that month of August is just that window of time where – the realization of how long a major league baseball season is kind of sets in and you start to feel, Oh man, dude, you know, that, that back, I, you know, when I dove in July, my back is starting to bark a little bit, man, I'm not getting to the fastball. Like I used to what's wrong with me. And all of a sudden you're starting to question everything. And like Tuttle said, that mental, that mental aspect of the game starts to break down a little bit and it affects the game unfortunately, because, you know, it's, it's like when you jump off the diving board, you know, in order to do a flip, you've got to lead with your head and your head usually leads you in most directions you're going. And if your head's in the right place, you're going to be successful. If your head's not in the right place, you're not going to be successful. And that's kind of where August kind of sets in. And, you know, I thought of a way to explain, you know, the, the, the cycle of a season and speaking of cycle, I ride the Peloton quite a bit. So if I get on and I do a 30-minute ride or a 45-minute ride or a 10-minute or 15-minute, you know, I that August is basically the halfway point in in your mind as a player. And when you're riding the bike and you get you're going for that 15-minute ride and you get to seven and a half minutes, it's not downhill after that by any means. It's right. oh God, I've got to push through. And that's where I think the dog days kind of set in is that mentality of pushing through something. And, you know, you, you, you get that, that fatigue, your, your legs are starting to get heavy, your hands are starting to get heavy, you're starting to look at the clock a little bit more, you're counting the days, and you're wondering where this is all leading. And then eventually you get to that moment where you're like, okay, there's two minutes left, I'm almost to the goal that I want to get to as far as whether it be calories burned or, you know, the speed I want to get up to or the record I want to get to at the end of a season and all of a sudden those legs start to pick up okay I'm almost to the batting average I wanted to achieve that season or the ERA I wanted to get to or my team is almost uh, to the point where we're going to clinch and I can pop some bottles of champagne and have some fun so you start to push a little bit harder but that month of August is where you really have to fight through some of that mental fatigue. And I, I don't know if that explains it well enough or, or, or gives you the idea, but I'm just trying to bring it from that, that major league idea to that 
you know, somebody who's in their living room trying to fight through something. But that month of September is when you really start to see that light at the end of the tunnel where you start to achieve some of those goals. And that's what allows some of these guys to finish strong and maybe erase the memories of that dog days of August. Yeah, no, I think you did a good job of explaining it. I I think what happens and what I want to kind of peel the curtain back on a little bit is what you said. Like we play this game for fun, but when it becomes a career, it's not that it's not fun anymore. I mean, most guys would still say this is the best job in the world. It's just that it is really mentally taxing. And people say, well, you make all this money. You know, it doesn't really matter. It, that That's not really it. You're you're an ultimate competitor. And how many times Good can call. you get up and get yourself super focused? And again, you're also facing the best guys in the world. You know, I'll speak from a, a pitching standpoint. I mean, you're, you're going up there and, you know, I mean, you got to face Frank frank thomas and carlos lee and you know i mean like you know and you're in a three or four game series and you know they've hit you well the last few games i mean i always talk about my time in triple a facing the twins that had david ortiz and minkavich and and your favorite aj perzinski and you know tory hunter and who knew if these guys were going to make the big leagues i thought i was going to make the big leagues but man facing those guys like night after night like you got to be ready you got to be ready. And you might get through David Ortiz and Minkiewicz, and now Torrey Hunter hits one off the scoreboard, and you're like, God dang it. Like, I mean, Can't this take is, a breath. That's right. Your, your career is no joke. So I think <laughs> for all those fans that are listening, and they know us from listening, but this isn't like, oh, we had a rough life. Playing baseball wasn't as fun. Just go to go to Salt Lake City where it's 310 down the line and face those guys in August that, you know, your and ERA later. is hovering on this, like, hovering on this point where you're going to get called up or not get called up and tell me about the dog days of summer and how I should suck it up and enjoy myself. It's kind of, so to your point, yeah, I mean, I think we did a good job of articulating the dog days. And I think every job and every, you mentioned the Peloton, I do a lot of CrossFit, like the dog days can get you in different ways, but it certainly toughens you up. And, uh, you know, hopefully, like you said, gives these guys something to work for. And, you know, maybe with the Expos and some of these other teams right now that sold at the, the Cubs are already packing it in. We didn't touch oh, on them man. last time, but getting rid of Bryant, Baez, and, and uh, Rizzo is like, all right, I guess we're uh, going to start making our plans for Hawaii ASAP. Yeah, their front office is also making plans for the next season. But it's interesting that, you know, you get through the dog days and they're hard enough as it is. And I want to transition a little bit to that front office with Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets. I I, I know that you probably saw this because this tweet went viral in the, in the fact that uh, Steve Cohen, just to paraphrase, said, I can't believe all these high-priced hitters aren't producing. And, and he pointed out some other teams across the league who are doing a very good job of putting the ball in play and having these high slugging. I'm not sure he understands what OPS is. But, <laughs> he did put it in his but, tweet, even if he understands Yeah, that. He probably thought it was like special ops or something like that. But, uh, you know, these high OPS teams go out and win, win games. And it's kind of interesting to me, too, you know, that he put this out in so many different ways. But that National League East, if you're not in, if you're not engaged in that race, I highly suggest it because the Mets, the Braves, you know, there's a lot of things going on out there. It's a lot of fun to watch those teams go out there and play hard. But uh, your owner, Tuttle, if you're playing on this team and your owner comes out in the dog days of summer and throws you under the bus on social media, what what are you thinking? This I don't know if it's going to surprise you because we talked a little bit uh, prior to the podcast, not about this at all. But we talked about uh, a couple of things um, <clears throat> maybe that I can't discuss. But you can always discuss it, man. It's our podcast. Well, no, just, 
you know, just how you how how the Astros may or may not be handling the uh, the stuff that we talked about. So how would how would uh, a player <laughs> so handle delicate. how how would a player handle a question from a reporter saying, "Hey, you know, your team is one of the best in baseball, and you're not playing well against these other teams." I would say this is the exact same thing. I mean, you know, this mm-hmm. is the owner. So Steve Cohen is the owner. He's the guy paying the bills. Now, maybe this isn't this isn't Jerry Jones trying to be the GM or anything like that. But <laughs> if you're happy with the way you're performing and he comes out and says that, then yeah, you got a beef with him. But you know, I gotta think if you're Pete Alonzo, um, who's already spoken <laughs> about some four or five game losing streaks they've had, or if you're, you know, Conforto, you're probably going, he's right. Like he's paying us friggin' a lot of money and we're not doing the job that we're supposed to be doing. We're trying, but you know, we're just not getting it done. So I, I actually I read the tweet and the way he wrote the tweet was professional enough for me to say, you know what? He's basically telling us to suck it up and do our job. So I, do you agree with that or would you not like that? Yeah. And our producer, Mark, actually gave us the tweet. So just to make sure that we get this absolutely 100% correct, Steve Cohen's the president owner of the Mets said it's hard to understand how professional hitters can be this unproductive the best teams have a more disciplined approach the slugging and OPS numbers don't lie number one the the league is good okay we've talked about many a time on this podcast how good pitchers are in this league so it's extremely hard to go out there and get hits and put up numbers and win especially when you got a target on your back like the new york mets always do because they're a high profile team in one of the biggest markets in america but at the same time it was kind of funny to me that the guy who signs the checks is bitching and moaning about the guys he signed good insight you know, he hired the GM, he hired the personnel, he hired the players, and now he's complaining about it. You know, ultimately, you could spin this around and say, how about you do a better job? If you don't like these players, you have the ultimate ability to get rid of them or sign them. So these are the guys you're playing with. So go out there and let them play and and put your trust in them. I, that's where I think as a leader, especially in the sense where owners are a little more outspoken and we know the history of Steve Cohen, you know, the billions, the TV show is ba- loosely based on his life where he's a very extravagant, very outspoken guy. It, should the expectation be on the owner to do a better job or should the expectation be on the owner to be more encouraging in, in getting these guys motivated because there's different ways to motivate guys. And I'm not sure that was the way to do it, you know, or you, there's also a way, you know, as a player, you can get kind of pissed off at your manager. You can get pissed off at your owner. You can get pissed off at your GM and go, you know what, I'm going to prove this dude wrong. And then all of a sudden you prove that GM or that owner, right. By going out and producing. Yeah. You know what? You brought another, I'm, I actually thought you were just going to nod along with me there. I like it. I know. I like what you're saying. I mean, you know, the buck stops with me. And if you're the owner and you hire the president of baseball operations and you hire the GM and you ultimately sign off on the players, maybe he's looking at past numbers or something else, but you got to go stand in the mirror. I, I think a couple of things. One is I kind of said this a lot. It's hard to point fingers at other people. If you're your biggest critic, I mean, like I said, I, I got to figure those guys in the Mets lineup are probably disappointed as well. And if I Isn't say that, that ultimately the case, though, I mean, those guys are going to be harder on, the, on themselves than any owner. 
Right, which to your point, I think it it probably makes your point more than mine, which is do they really need to hear this from their owner at a time like this? I will say the biggest thing I took away from that tweet is the Giants were rolling. They had a four or five game winning streak and he said this against the Mets and the Wets the Mets came out and won the next night. And I'm like, damn it. Like why couldn't have why couldn't Cohen just wait one more game? They went into the eleventh <laughs> inning and uh and uh Pilar hit a grand slam in the eleventh inning. Son of a gun. Isn't that crazy. So How about this? Maybe me, it worked. Ask you th- maybe it worked. It was <laughs> well, you know that's what he's doing. Cohen's tweet, like, yes, I got him. He's sitting back on, yes, I'm the greatest motivator ever. How about this? Let me ask you a question because now, you know, Cohen's got a ton of money. He wants to go out there and have a winner. If David Tuttle is a free agent and you know how Oates outspoken the owner of the Mets is and he's courting you, do you have any reservations if about signing with him? It's always a tough question for me because it's like he wants a he wants me in the big leagues. Sure, I'm I'm ready. Um, <laughs> yeah, got to bring a little humor. Um, you know, I kind of think this is now 50 year old me speaking versus like 25 year old me. I have the experience and the wherewithal. You know, people can t- continue to talk about New York media and New York media very similar to our Twitter world. You know, they were just Twitter before Twitter, right? New York media is you know highly <laughs> true. It's a great, great. <laughs> there you go. So funny. like the New York Post, right? Like. It's just hopefully water off a duck's back. I mean, like if you want to go play baseball with a g- bunch of good baseball players and you think you'd be a good fit, I wouldn't yes, sign for less money team. to play in. Yeah, I wouldn't sign for less money to play in Cincinnati. I'd be like, yeah, I want great players around me. I want you want your Lindors and your your Alonzos and your you know your, I guess for lack of a better word, the pitching staff the way it is. I mean, if you're going to get mm-hmm. Superman back one of these days, I mean, Gosh. you know, there's yeah. He's been out for too long, Cindergard. I mean, you know, if you and and uh, same with their Degrom. main guy, Degrom. He's yeah. been out too long. So if these guys are going to get healthy and they're asking you to be a part of that staff with those guys, I mean, I I don't see how you could run away from that. I mean, the owner's the owner. That's like saying, do you want to go play for the Dallas Cowboys? Jerry Jones is the owner. It's like, man, I don't know if I'd want to go play for Tony Larusa or Lou Pinella, but uh, other than that, I think I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'll, you know what? Ultimately, at the end of the day. First and 15th. As long as that check is cash and you'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. And the other guys are going to be in there with you, rowing the boat. This isn't like, it's not like Rizzo's. You it could galvanize a clubhouse Rizzo. too. Yeah, you're right. That's right. It's not like, uh, I'm sorry, Alonzo. I said Rizzo. It's not like Alonzo or Conforto or Lindor. It's not like any of those guys are like, we don't want this guy. Like, this isn't the guy. Like, if you're in that 25 man clubhouse, you know, like you said, it can totally galvanize a team, make you guys stronger and tougher. And, you know, I mean, ultimately, we're just baseball players and we have a job to do. Yeah. Go out there, play as hard as you can, get paid. And uh, I've got one more thing I want to hit before I throw it over to you, Tuttle, and, and get inside your brain a little bit. But uh, I'm not sure if you saw saw this but Lance Lynn of the Chicago White Sox who in my mind is the front runner for the AL Cy Young award uh pitching extremely well with the Chicago White Sox had a game the other day where uh he came off the mound I believe in the third or fourth inning and was kind of looking around to see who was going to check his hat check his glove check his belt whatever it is nobody was available and he wanted to get in the dugout and and treat something maybe he was ailing a little bit or he had his routine that he wanted to get to couldn't find an umpire to check anything so maybe he assumed that they weren't going to check him he goes into the dugout and the umpire comes over to the dugout and says hey we want your hat and glove so he gave the hat and glove and he goes hey the belt he took off his belt from the dugout while he was inside chucked it onto the field and the umpiring crew 
decided to eject Lance Lynn for not coming out of the dugout to appease the umpires with their demand to check his glove, hat, and belt. Instead, he threw the belt he was wearing onto the field as he took care of his business in the cl- in the dugout. I want to know what your thoughts are on this. I thought it was a unique situation because they were checking for substances, yet he did not get ejected because of substance. It was more the substance of the human that got ejected. Was it a case of substance abuse? We don't know. Um, <laughs> let's see. I, don't, I mean, there's so many things to go with here. I mean, we know how the umpires are, right? It's the old, uh, it's the personal attack thing, right? It's like, you can say, oh that was God. a horrible you... call. Yes. That was a horrendous call. But when you say you're horrible, then you're tossed, right? So we know the etiquette. Maybe this is another unwritten rule of baseball. Hopefully we can enlighten the fans someday. What is the etiquette? So if you... If you're coming off the field, like I have a routine, I'm a professional, this is important to me, right? I mean, I, once every five days, I get to take the mound. In this case, I'm a starter, and this is my routine. If he waited at the line, which it looks like, um, I, I, you know, they sometimes edit those videos. He waited at the line and looked around, and they weren't there. I mean, the onus should be on them. And if he threw the belt at the guy and like hit him with it or something, that's different. But <laughs> it just kind of came flying out. I just, there's always these subtleties. Like you said, it's a complex situation. What was said? You know, here's my effing belt. Or was it like it just came <laughs> kind of over the, over the padded little rail? I, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe you know more than I do, but this always is a case. And we're us players. There were some umpires I got along with. There were some other uh, umpires I didn't get along with as well. <clears throat> We, I think we've talked about it a few. I'm sure <laughs> the same was with you. But you kind of knew. Oh, yeah. You kind of knew what you could say and what you couldn't say. And so there was that thing, like, if I want to get tossed here, uh, I know exactly what I have to say. But it sounds like it was a little, I mean, can I say this? This is so wishy-washy. It sounds like it was a misunderstanding, right? Like, they didn't know he waited, and they were like this, and they got offended, and they tossed him. I mean, like, that sounds Total, very typical podcast. of an umpire. Say, what, say what's on your heart. The umpires are, should not be the story. They should never be the story. Thank like, you. What the hell is your problem? Thank you for right? saying that. Thank you. All right. They, they, what are you guys trying to do? Like, so are you? Are you Why are they so sensitive about this? Yeah, they, yeah. they messed up. Yes, thank you. Okay, look at that. We end up agreeing. I just didn't want to, you know. I didn't see the. I didn't see the incident, so I wasn't sure. But let's not be the story. This is like parenting, right? Do you want to scream at your kid and ground him? Not really. You want to be like, all right, yeah, let's figure this thing out. So anyway, he probably had three scoreless yeah. innings. He wanted to sit and get stick in his routine, and he threw the belt out. And now you're the story because you threw this guy out. You're an idiot. No, I think you. I think you nailed it with the routine baseball players are probably the most routine oriented people. And then pitchers on, on the day they are starting are be careful, be careful, (laughs) (laughs) but pitchers on the day they're starting about pitchers. Yeah. They have their routine. They have a way they work in order to be successful, to give their team a chance to win. So the second that he comes off the mound, he's expecting to be checked. He's not, he looks around, he gets in the dugout and then they come over. Once the guy's in the dugout, the opportunity's gone. The umpire needs to just be like, Hey, we missed the window. It's gone. We're going to let this one pass because I think we've pe- we've hit the peak of ridiculousness with the checking of these guys. I know that, uh, you know, who is it? Caleb Smith, I think, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, it, you know, his glove got confiscated. Who knows what's going to come back with that? But, I mean, we have we are well into this checking of, of pitchers, 
and nothing's going on. These guys aren't idiots. They're not, they're not going to do it or they're going to find ways to be better at it. Whatever it is, they're not getting busted on this. And if they miss the window, the umpires miss the window to check Lance Lynn, let it go. The dude's going to come out the next inning and you can check him the next inning. I don't know why they felt the need to go into the dugout, into the player's part of the ballpark and ask him to throw that belt out. So I've got no problem with what Lance Lynn did. I think it exposes the umpires, like Tuttle said, where they became the story. And what happened is, in their pettiness, it, I don't think it affected the game that day for the White Sox, but what if it did? you know? Or what if that's a playoff scenario? I hope we learn from this and the umpires can get on track and be a little more accountable for checking these guys when they want to check these guys and not have to go into the dugout. I love it. You said you're, you're completely done with it. All I thought of was meet the parents when you said it. At the end, he, I am done with the I'm done with the checking of the bag conversation. I'm done. Like, okay, then shut your pie hole and listen to me when I say that I am finished with the checking of the bags conversation. <laughs> Sir, you're gonna have to check the bag. He's like, I'm done. You're like, you're done with the substance. I'm, it I'm is done. weird Let's how play we implemented baseball. we implemented this rule in the middle of the year. And now, like you said, we have we caught anybody? Not really. Like, is it I mean, guys have adjusted, it's not that prevalent. Let's Let's like, you know, let's still check, but let's not make it to your point and my point. Let's not make it the story. Like, let's realize like this, these are the guys and this is what they're doing. And now they're, you know, being professional about it. So I don't know. I'm done with the substance abuse, the substance, sticky substance conversation, right? Yeah, we're done with it. I'm done with that conversation. Tell yeah. what do you got, man? So um, I normally go off baseball and we talked a little bit about my son driving away, uh, got his license this uh, this past, actually got his license two weeks ago, but drove himself to school. So I'm going to stick with baseball. And I had a, an article I read this week and I don't know if you read it. So this hopefully will. Surprise me. Of course, Jason Stark, who you said one of these days we should definitely get him on the podcast. He'd be so, fun. Like, he, he's a great, uh, great conversation. Yes, please rate, review, and subscribe, and then we can pull him in. But see Trent Rosecrans and Jason Stark wrote an article yesterday or two days ago that said Joey Votto is not your grandpa's Hall of Famer, but he absolutely belongs. Ooh. And you have got to read the article. I didn't send it to you. I'm sneaking it on you. This I'm gonna I'm just gonna talk to me. I'm just gonna throw a list at you. I I do my best friend <gasps> one my best friend's friend. So one of my buddies' friends that his wife's friends with. What? Not you. Come on, you're close. <laughs> so uh, one of my best friends' friends. So um, he's a big Cincinnati Reds fan. He's always talking about Joey Votto. I'm like, yeah, he's all right. Like you know, he's a decent player. So and that's just me. Like how naive am I? Here, I'm just going to read this quick list without getting into the article. Here's a complete list of every hitter since 1900 who led his league in OBP on base percentage, folks, at least seven times and the stretch over which they did it. Uh, Ted Williams, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Rogers Hornsby, Ty Cobb, and Joey Votto. Damn. What? Damn. So Ted Williams from Ted Williams did uh, on-base percentage titles 12. 1940 to 1958. Babe Ruth, 10 times. 1919 to 1932. Barry Bonds, 10 times. 1991 to 2007. Rogers Hornsby, 9 times. 1920 to 1931. Ty Cobb, 7 times. 1909 to 1918. And Joey Votto, 7 times from 2010 to 2018. Wow. See any non-greats on that list? We don't. (laughs) Votto won 7 OB... OBP titles in a decade. Those guys took like 17 years, 18 years. Anyway, I mean, 
It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Votto is just the 14th player in history with 2,000 hits, 1,200 walks, plus one of those rarefied 300, 400, 500 slash lines for his career. Damn. 11 of those 14 are in the hall. So here's this list. And that's at 900 OPS. I mean, that's a magic number, dude. Yeah. Oh, it's sick. Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Stan Musial, Lou Gehrig, Mel Ott, Jimmy Fox, Tris Speaker, Chipper Jones, Frank Thomas, and Edgar Martinez. Damn. So that leaves only three who are not in the Hall of Fame. Manny Ramirez, Todd Helton, Joey Votto. Votto's still going, obviously. Helton is still on the ballot and trending in the absolute right direction. Yes, he is. And if you need us to explain... And if you need us to explain why Manny hasn't given any speeches in Cooperstown, yeah. it's shocking that you've read the article this far. So I don't need to read the whole article, but I will say the reason I bring this up is not just because, hey, you know, Jason Stark and, and uh, Trent wrote this great article. The reason I bring it up is Joey Votto is like the most, I mean, we keep talking about guys that are underrated that don't play in the playoffs. So I know always when I throw stuff like this at you, Blummer, you have a great story. You have some insight, mm-hmm. and you probably have played against a guy, and you probably know he's a damn good baseball player. He's a damn good baseball player. He's got an MVP award under his belt. Granted, he's been on teams that haven't been able to get deep in the postseason, so we can't appreciate his his ability to carry teams because he hasn't had that supporting cast. There's a couple of things. Joey Votto is also an advocate for the Astros and them. He believes that they should not be blamed for the sign stealing because he knows other teams have been doing it. So not only is his is his career yeah. uh he's, a, he's an astros guy too amazing, you love him but his character <laughs> is, is, is not to be questioned yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> i'm right so he's got that going what for him what, what's uh son of a woman my favorite his uh, his uh his uh his, his monologue uh, in there is unbelievable yeah, at the end yeah. though, but when he talks about his, like he would not that's right, he would not throw his friends under the yes. bus. He won't sell anybody out to buy his future. And that, my friends, is called integrity. So there you go. Joey Votto's in. There. He's a, he's a complete team player all the way around. He's very yeah. he's very outspoken and well spoken. And I'm going to give you a number that we actually pulled out on John uh, on Joey Votto after he got his two thousandth hit. Think about the history of the Cincinnati Reds. This is a historic French franchise that goes back. Oh. You know, it's one of the original you know, eight teams with the Boston, you know, Boston, yep. New York, Cincinnati, some of these teams that go back for ages. Yep. Now think about the mid, you know, late sixties, mid seventies, when the big red machine was going nuts. Well, I got to interrupt you because we were talking about playing wiffle ball and tennis baseball. I used to be the reds and you could go down. Yeah. I mean, you could have Pete Rose, Dave Concepcion, Joe Morgan, uh, Dan Dries, George Ken Foster, Griffey, Johnny Bench, yeah, George Foster, and you have Tony Perez. Like, you yes. could do that whole lineup, and those guys are all on the same team, right? I mean, it's crazy. You're right. So, go ahead. Sorry. So in that same thread or that same thought is the fact that there have some legendary guys who put up historic numbers. There are only two players in the Cincinnati franchise history, 2,000 hits or more, and 300-plus homers. There's only two players. We know one of them is Joey Votto. Do you know who the other player is? My guess would have been Joe Morgan, but I have no idea. Wrong. Will I know? Oh, you're good. You, you, Johnny, Johnny Bench. You nailed it. <laughs> Johnny Bench. Oh, Two players in the Cincinnati franchise history that have had 2,000 or more hits, 300 or more homers. Joey Votto is one of those guys. So it just piles on to that list that you already fired out there. And I think yeah. the, and we've talked about this plenty on this podcast too, about 
how the Hall of Fame is going to have to adjust how guys get in. And we're starting to see some of these more analytical numbers and these peripheral numbers start to come in. And I think that really helps a guy like Joey Votto, who might have the potential to get some votes if and when he does decide to retire. The crux of this article, and I'll find a way to send it to you, and we could probably put it in the show notes or something like that, is exactly that that we are going to have to start adjusting what we do in terms of the voting and how it looks. And then the other piece of this article, and you know this because we've talked about some Hall of Famers prior when we were talking about who's going to get in and who's not. I'm just going to say we could do this another way. Here's the list, and this is the last kind of column in the article. Here's a very selective list of Hall of Fame players who are also in the 2000 hit club, but they reached base fewer times than Votto already has. 3,328. Damn. Hall of Famers and Votto's on-base dust. Joe DiMaggio, Yogi Berra, Willie Stargell, Jim Rice, Ryan Sandberg, Johnny Bench, his own you know organization mate, and Duke Snyder. So there are 27 more names on that list, but that's I just wanted to throw those out there. So anyway, I think the whole point of it was I really was mesmerized by this. I read it. He's, you know, here's a guy playing every day right now. Mm-hmm. And uh I have actually started watching more Reds games. I watched them a couple of at bats the other day. And I was like, all right. I mean, it's just it's amazing how how kind of I don't know, I guess how little notoriety he gets and how his numbers are just unbelievably fantastic. So that that's my uh that's I guess, you know, what'll Tuttle say for the evening. No, but I was impressed. And they jump off the page and I think it actually brings up kind of an interesting idea because there are guys in the Hall of Fame that who have not so great numbers, but as far as their generation is concerned, they were one of the top tier players. And I think that, you know, going to what we were talking about, adjusting how you think about the Hall of Fame, maybe it is generational. Because if you do take it by generation, considering what Joey Votto has done and the numbers you've thrown out there, he may qualify to get that vote to get into the Hall of Fame. I hope so. I mean, these guys wrote a great article and there'll be more to it, I'm sure. So Yeah. And then I'm going to get find a way to get Blummer in the Hall of Fame. Oh, man. Dude. Yeah, I don't know which Hall of Fame that's going to be, but uh, maybe the St. Arnold Hall of Fame or the Bleacher Blums Hall of Fame. <laughs> hey, hey, let's see what happens. Uh, I think we should both get into that if we have one, but maybe only one of us will get in. Yeah, so we'll have I, to. I think there's a good chance that you and I will be the inaugural <laughs> class. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And, and All right, Blummer, what do you got? Yeah. Do you have a last last word? All right. So let's have a little bit of fun to finish off this podcast. Uh, you know, uh, all, all of this business talk uh, has got me thinking about, uh, we talked about our dogs earlier and being the dog days of summer, but uh, I had the opportunity to be featured in a magazine out here in Houston called Pet Talk Magazine. And it's because I have two dogs. I have a Beagle Cocker Spaniel mix uh, that I've had for almost 10 years. And then I've got a Catahoula Leopard dog that is absolutely incredible and been a blast to be around. And we were featured in this magazine. We took pictures. I answered questions. But one of the questions, there's a couple of questions in uh, in this article that I had the chance to answer that I'm curious about you, Tuttle. Uh, One of the first ones was, if there were no laws and you just had the opportunity to have any pet you could have, and I think it's kind of fitting because the COVID era was kind of kicked off by... uh, what was it? The Tiger King. Uh, if you could have any pet as a pet without criticism or breaking a law, which pet would it be for you? Well, gosh, you know, that's not an easy question. We might've talked about this before, but Chris Rock has an old joke. 
<laughs> where the the they always report they always report when an animal like the tiger yeah they had a pet tiger and the tiger went crazy and ate the people he's like the tiger didn't go crazy the tiger went tiger like that's what it does it eats people right like that's the joke so i mean you're right the the tiger king became popular i mean i'm i'm pretty happy with just a dog you know i i mean i guess if you could train something that could be your pet i mean the the world is you know I mean, there's so many things. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty happy with a dog as a pet. I know that's not a greater answer. I don't know. It would be fun to have a giraffe as a pet. <laughs> keep the, Dude, keep I did the, not expect that. keep the, tre- <laughs> keep the trees, the keep trees aligned. You know, back there, he would be mellow. You know, I don't know. I mean, look, I just, I threw you a curveball. What kind Two of bombs would a giraffe ball. drop? Who's picking those up? <laughs> hey, I, I mean, if you can. If you can train and keep a giraffe, you're probably, a, you're, you know, I'm going to have a zookeeper too, man. I'm going to be like, dude, I got like eight acres and a lot of trees. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. Get your own built-in fertilizer up the out there. giraffe poop, I guess. Well, here's a, here's a bonus. I mean, I don't know this to be true, but it sounds good. Rabbits, right? Rabbits like poop and pellets are vegetarian. I mean, I don't think, I got to think, I got to think giraffes, you know, they're, because they're vegetarian, I got to say their poops are probably like, you know. <laughs> I don't know, like deer poop or... How many people listening to this are going to Google giraffe poop now? Well, I'm going to do it as soon as I get (laughs) off the podcast. (laughs) Because maybe I'll change my answer for next podcast. No, I just think a giraffe would be cool. Maybe more than one. What about you, Blummer? What animal would you want as a pet? Dude. You're going to say a great white shark, keep it in the pool. Keep it in the pool, yeah. I'd only have certain friends over (laughs) at night. I want want, want a shark with a freaking laser. (laughs) Mm. Um, there you go, Austin. No, I think, uh, 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 you know, maybe this exposes a little too much of my, my nineties childhood is the fact that, uh, watching friends, I think that I would enjoy having a little monkey rolling around, Ah, you know, there you go. Might be kind of fun. And I can't believe that I just saw a giraffe poop sent to me in a text. Giraffe poop. Look at that. That's a lot. Yes, sir. That is and quite you know a bit of poop. I nailed it. Well, that might be more than one. I nailed it, though. It's like rabbit pellets. Yeah, dude. rabbit Just pellets. Those are more like bowling balls. All right. We're going to put that in the show notes, too, yeah. along with the article. But I'm, I'm, put, I'm putting the diaper poop? on the monkey, and the, the monkey's going to get me beers. That's 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 what I got. I'm going to right. put – that's so bad. That is so bad that I'm going to pick yeah, an animal that can do things for me instead of actually enjoying the company of the Ooh. pet. No, that's not bad. You live in a house – like, it's one thing, like, where I have a son – we talk about opening doors for ladies and being chivalrous and things that are benefit. I mean, you're in a house full of women and they expect a lot out of you. That's all I can Thank say. You, Tuttle. So what the hell's wrong with what the hell's wrong with Blummer having a monkey having to get somebody a on my on side and let him <laughs> That's right. <gasps> Let's make it a male monkey too. I'm going to get a monkey. All right. <laughs> there you go. This is great. This this is actually <laughs> Blummer. After dark for yeah, one, we'll find it out too. The topic you came up with. Okay, so I, I've got one parting question. So you've got a giraffe, I've got a monkey. Mm. Now the question is, we we got the question from a fan saying, if we didn't play baseball, what other sport would we play? Um, that was a really good question. My question to you to finish off this podcast and talking about animals, talking about pets, is if you had the opportunity to become in your next life any animal. What animal would that be? Um, yeah, I'd like to be high up on the food chain, so I'm looking somewhere <laughs> like grizzly bear. I think Ooh. grizzly bear is a pretty good, yeah, pretty good spot to be. You know, that is strong. You can't really mess with them. 
They get to sleep a lot. You get to hibernate, <sighs> sleep a lot. Dude, that is a great call. Anyway. And damn it. All right. How about that? I I just pulled that one right out. I didn't even think about that. But a grizzly bear sounds good. But you you, you don't want to pick something, you know, what's the what's the life of a fly like one day or something or a mosquito? Like <laughs> Yeah, and that meal plan isn't exactly ideal. You gotta you gotta pick something high up on the food chain. Oh, that's all right. And the tortoises at the San Diego Zoo, those things live like ninety five years. Who so. wants to do that? <laughs> There's another Yeah, that's a good point. Damn, you nailed it with the bear though. I'm I'm an I'm a I'm an alumnus of of California Golden Bears and I didn't even pick I wouldn't even have thought of a bear. Damn it. All right. Well, that's all right. You got something there. What do you got? Yeah. Well, I've always been envious of of people that were fast. So, my idea was a cheetah. I'm like, dude, I want to be fast. I want to go out there and and run, you know, 25 30 miles an hour and just, you know, blow past people or catch up to my prey and Ripping to shreds. So my idea was being a cheetah. Nice. You know what, Blum? I'm going to add a little color to this. This is great because we're probably going to talk a little fantasy football as we get going. I know our fantasy football draft is coming up uh, in a couple weeks. But my second choice, <laughs> so my first pick was Grizzly Bear. <laughs> in the second round, you didn't take my guy. I would take an owl. I'd like to be an owl, like one of those what? killer owls that fly above. Yeah, that's just awesome. So you've got... You're stuck with. You've thought you about this. With? Oh yeah. No, I just thought of it right now. How do you just think <laughs> like of an this, owl just, just now? Who thinks of that? Uh, I apparently I do after two beers at ten o'clock at night in California. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I, it's just it just hit me. I'd like to fly. That was the first thing I thought of. I'd like to fly top of the food chain. Those things are sticking with me. So I'll take grizzly bear in the first round. You took uh, what did you take? Cheetah. Oh, cheetah. And then I take owl. So I got grizzly bear and owl. So I feel like I'm I'm a pretty good I'm a pretty good opponent. So damn it. Um, and I, I just want to make a note here that our, our producer Mark Ramos chimed in. He wanted to be a house cat because he could sleep 100 percent of the time. <laughs> there you go. Hopefully that gets us ready for the fantasy football season. But I like it. And make sure to tell the fans to go out and get the Pet Talk magazine. Oh I mean, yeah, you know, this is all about. Do they have to pay no, for yeah. it? Or is it something that's it's coming out in September? Yeah, it's coming out on? in September. Go get yourself the Pet Talk magazine. Uh, you'll see a beautiful spread of me and my dogs. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. some after dark thoughts right there. <laughs> but yeah, Pet Talk magazine is going to be coming out in September. I'll be a part of it. And uh, what a wonderful way to end this episode of Bleacher Blums with some little animal talk. And I think Tuttle wins the, in the uh, in the Pet Olympics or the Animal Olympics. You pretty much nailed the fantasy draft as far as that's concerned. So I'm going to let you finish this baby off. Yeah. So as always, a shout out to uh, you know our military first responders. I mean, we try to keep this light, obviously after dark, especially. But what's going on in Afghanistan? I mean. I have some, you know, friends that are former military and military. I mean, you know, we try to do what we can, obviously, around the world. Please know that we support you, and we realize that our freedom here is important. But, uh, you know, I mean, this this is a crazy world, and there's wacky things going on. But, you know, you have our love and support, and uh, that goes with uh, frontline healthcare workers as we're dealing with the Delta variant and all this, uh, this other stuff that we keep hearing about. I try to stay away from the news, but please know that whatever facts come our way, you have our support, and we appreciate the fact that we're able to cut it up on a Thursday night and uh, let Blum go enjoy a round of golf early in the morning, and uh, we're very thankful. So, Blummer, 
You want to take us out? Yeah, you nailed it. I agree with you in, in all those sentiments. And I just want to add to teachers, faculty, and staff who are going back to school, we can't uh, express how much we appreciate all your hard work. I know that during the COVID era, doing it virtually was very tough, but you battled through that to give our kids uh, as much attention and education as you can. And in this current year, as we head forward, we uh, we wish you all the best and uh, continued hard work. We greatly appreciate you. And of course, in those thoughts with everybody that we are with, we want you to get after it, but most of all, believe it. Believe it. Good call. God, you're genius. Freaking smart.